This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tonitri. Wanted to say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. And remember, we're free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure, make sure, make sure, make sure, make sure that you give us a five star review. We really appreciate that. We do not hide greatness on this show because that's just who we are. And we want you to share the good news. We got some good news to share with you today. Um, you know, some sports going on in the city of Atlanta. And we're going to talk about the Atlanta Braves are starting to hit their stride. And I think that it starts with nephew Ronnie. We'll talk about that. And Drake London, is he starting to creep up into the wide receiver one category? And last but not least, and for the culture, T., Eli Manning is trying out for Penn State as a walk-on. I thought he didn't have any eligibility left. We'll talk about all that and for the culture. But first, T, the Atlanta Braves get the dub uh, uh, last night against the Washington Nationals, 5-2. Eddie Rosario goes yard. Austin Riley goes yard. And I think that, you know, I mentioned a nephew running, starting to do his thing. He's back in the lineup playing right field consistently now. And it, it looks like that's going to be the case for the for the rest of the season and throughout the postseason, however long that lasts. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you just kind of look at how how those that team plays and, and how Ronald Acuna plays when mm-hmm. he's out in the field and hitting at the plate, this just looks like a totally different team, too. It does. It really really does. He's in that leadoff position, this thing. And I think for him having the fullness of the game, you know, we all joke and say, well, you know, his BF came back up when he had the four Phillies. But real talk, he's the kind of guy who's a competitor. So he doesn't just want to be in that DH there and be in right field and contribute. And I think for him, when he's able to play the game on offense and defense, then we get to see the best of Ronald Acuna Jr. But I also think that there's we look at the top, middle, bottom of the order. The bottom has been lights out, con- the, probably the most consistently. Best in Major League Baseball. <laughs> they, they, they have been the story now, but at the beginning of the season, Dansby Swanson and for the big the uh the story right so it's good to see the top of the two hole the three hole the cleanup coming back to life because it was hard every night going okay Matt Olson 0 for 3 okay 0 for 7 okay 0 for 22 so the two hit performance last night it's like you're just hoping that that is the beginning of the momentum and getting back on track because I tell you what Jarvis they have right now a, a situation where it's them it's mano a mano, Mets and Braves. And if the Braves lineup, top to bottom, can get it together, that order from leadoff all the way through, I would put good money on the Braves being able to win that division and having a deep run in the postseason. 
Yeah, and I think Matt o- Matt Olson is the key. He's the guy that I've really been concerned about because you know nephew can kind of affect the games in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. He can by mm-hmm. on, on the bases and getting on base and, and being able to force guys to make mistakes in, in, on, on, mm-hmm. on when they're out there in the field. And I think that, but Matt Olson like is either his bat or pretty much nothing else. And you know what I'm saying? So when it comes to him yeah. being at the plate, so for him to have his first multi hit game, what since August 27th. That's a pretty big deal, and I think that, yeah, that is absolutely amazing that he's been struggling for that long. So I think that as the season winds down, like you like you mentioned, I think that this is pretty much going to come down to we're going to find out the winner of this series, um, this not series, but the division at the end of the year in that series against the New York Mets because it looks like the Braves are starting to heat up and the Mets are starting to heat up as well with Max Scherzer coming back and just mowing down folks like we used to see Max Scherzer do. So um, Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, that that, the series is going to decide this bad boy um, for sure. So um, it it is perfect timing, um, so to speak, when you talk about Riley and Olsen and Nephew and Dansby, all those guys starting to heat up. Um, Speaking of heating up, the NFL season is heating up, T. Tell the folks about BetOnline.net that can help them out and start to catch some of that heat and start getting some, putting some money in their pockets. Yeah, you definitely can. And you can bet on whether or not you believe the Braves will be the winners of the NL East for a fifth year in a row. And how do you find out what that line looks like and who's the favorite? Go to BetOnline.net. That's where all your sports information is for your major teams in the NFL, NBA, as well as MLB, but also for your niche sports like uh, MMA and golf. But yeah, if you want to look even to see, okay, yes, the Falcons are 0-2, but the Falcons put up a, a strong fight in game two, and that probably impacts what that line is going to look like as they prepare to take on the Seahawks. If you want to know how the line moves, check out betonline.net. And for you novices, that's okay. They have podcasts to teach you how to get in the game, get in this thing. And then if you are someone who is a pro at this, but you just kind of want to see what the other pros think, betonline.net is your source. So check it out just after, of course, check out ATL Day Ones. That's betonline.net. That is where the game starts. Yes, indeed. That's where the game starts. The game starts here on ATL Day Ones. As games haven't started yet for the Atlanta Hawks team, but as you know, we love a good list on ATL right here on ATL Day Ones, and that's this this one is no different. CBSSports.com has released their top 100 NBA player rankings, and I think that you know, of course, you have the usual Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, you know, battling for the top spot, but. I think that when you look at go down the list and you start to look at a certain thing, a few things yeah. is that mm-hmm. Trey Young landed at number fourteen, and yeah. Luka Doncic came in at number five. Steph Curry came in at number two. But mm-hmm. it does this kind of how does this sit with you? Because I know that we always talked about how the national media never shows Trey Young love, and we talked about this plenty of times on this show. Do you mm-hmm. think Trey Young? is right on brand with being a top 15 player in the NBA or should he be higher? Yeah, absolutely think that at a minimum 15, because I'll be honest, as the list breaks down, it'll take you through. And then you get kind of a point goes to your other 10. So it's kind of like building. I was looking at 21 through 30. I was okay. 
now now get down to business. Let's see where Trey landed because we know that we had all five of Hog starters to make the list and the king of bench mob, the leader of the bench mob, Bogdan Bogdanovich. But the real question was where does heart and soul of this team land? Is land in the top 20, the top 20, top 10, what have you? And when you look at this, I'll be honest, but two, three times just to be like, like, okay, who's on it? Who's on it? And I really can't see, even giving Luca his his flowers at number five, I can't really see anybody who Trey would necessarily usurp um, mm-hmm. to get, you know, to jump into, say, that top 10 or even that top five. I've looked at the list over and over. And when you look, you think about uh, even the PGs that are ahead of him, right? Like a Dame Lillard, uh, Ja Morant, like you said, Steph Curry. I can't make an argument at this point that anybody should be behind him. You could make the argument, maybe, and I'm making it loose, by the way, maybe like a John Morant because Trey has accomplished more. So you could make that argument, but I think that's fairly, that 14 is is about accurate. I'm with you, but like I said, but you know me, you know how I feel about, you know, Trey Young as far as when it comes to comparisons to John Morant. A lot of people want to have fall in love with the big guards. And that's one Mm -hmm. of the only reasons why I feel that people think John Morant is better and i'm putting yeah. in quotations marks for those mm-hmm. of you who you listen to the audio that you know he's better than trey young and i, and I mm-hmm. just don't think that's the case like because if yeah. we take size out of it right or if we mm-hmm. say magically trey young was a little bit taller or the same height as john Moran, mm-hmm. i don't believe that people will be talking about ja in that same light because mm-hmm. you know trey is dynamic (laughs) he's one of the best pick and roll point guards in the entire Mm -hmm. nba and that's and i can pause right there and stop right there Mm -hmm. i don't have to say make any justifications for that yeah and the numbers they don't lie right exactly and he's done something that no you know that we haven't seen since tiny archibald (laughs) like yeah how about that for a name look it up for those uh young folks who don't know who that is because he led the league in total points and total assists this year so mm-hmm. and and a guy of that size to be able to do that, you know, mm-hmm. I think you got to get a little bit more credit for it than you know, yeah. hey, you know, um, downgrading that person because of his size. So I think that, you know, in that twelve to fifteen range, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of that's I, I'm I'm pretty cool with that because and, I, and yeah. I'm not gonna argue against the Luka Doncic because people yeah, that's not even the argument. I absolutely just yeah, go crazy with him argument. and I'll let them have that. I'll yeah. let the folks have that that argument, but. I think that, you know, right there in the top 15 in the NBA, I'm pretty cool with that. Now, yeah. T, we talked about how, you know, we talk about the rankings and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. that, you know, in these first two games for the Atlanta Falcons, we've seen something that we probably haven't seen in quite some time. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say quite some time. Ever since Julio Jones left the building, right? Um, I think we have another wide receiver one. We'll talk about that next right here on ATL Day 1's. With Jarvis and T, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. I am Tanitra. That is Jarvis. And this is the show that now you can check out on Amazon Fire and Roku. In addition to everywhere else, you download your podcast. And wherever you go, keep giving us five-star reviews and letting people know about the show. Because we love it when you guys support us the way that you have been doing Keep doing that for us, even on YouTube, getting us close to 4,000 subscribers as a Locked On Sports Atlanta network. That is all because you guys have rocked with us from day one and you continue to rock with us. So speaking of a day one, you know, day one of this week, Jarvis put out there that our word was going to be progression. 
So yes. we are going to keep with that theme because we started yesterday, but kind of like a Baptist preacher, we didn't kind of finish the sermon. So here we come back with part two of the sermon on progression. And we're going to go to the wide receiver core because somebody seems to be showing himself to have progressed very, very quickly and established himself. And that's another, none other than Drake London. Looks like he progressed even from what we saw in training camp to just that hint of him in preseason, of course, just that little hint of him in game one. But even from week one to week two, has he progressed right into that wide receiver one spot? I think so. We talking about 13 catches and 160 yards, 12th, averaging over over the first down at 12, 12 yards per um, per catch. And, you know, mm-hmm. he, said he got his first touchdown against the um, Los Angeles Rams. And I think that when you think about what that means, right, for you to get this early return on, on a, a top 10 pick, right, mm-hmm. because I know that I was one of them. I raised my hand. I was against them drafting another pass catcher. Oh, I was all right. in on Panay Sewell. Get, yep. Give me somebody that can doggone right. protect the quarterback or they yes. can um uh, they can sack the quarterback. Or Jermaine exactly. Johnson was my love. Like yeah. I wanted Jermaine Johnson. I don't have no problem saying it because hey, right. I'm confident in mine. But I think that, you know, when you think about them be, him, Drake the way Drake London has stepped into this bad boy, right? Because uh-huh. Kyle Pitts was the guy. He was mm-hmm. the number four overall pick. And yes. he was the unicorn and all that stuff. But for him to be able to come in, you know, with being out for so long in the preseason mm-hmm. and people just doubting all type of injuries and the Falcons yeah. and Terry Fontenot, like they should have done mm-hmm. their research. This guy had been injured, blah, 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 all that stuff, right? For him to put all that aside and come in and say, yes. you know what? I'm about to put in this work and mm-hmm. I'm about to take advantage of some things that might be opening up because of yeah. Kyle Pitts. And so, and I think that, yes, to a long story short, to, to say, Yes, I think Drake London is wide receiver one um, in this offense. And I think that as the season goes along, we may start to see some of that attention start to go towards him and yes. start to open up things for Kyle Pitts um, yes. as, as the season goes along. Which would be a wonderful thing because, of course, we'll talk about that in a moment. But that's where the question comes. Where's KP and what's going on with KP? But Drake London being in that position of wide receiver one has really, really shined in that role. And think about it. Week one and week two, he's going up against some of the best secondaries the league has to offer Mm -hmm. and held his own. And the other thing you make a great point is this. If Kyle Pitts is doubled and you know that then leaves you a little bit more open, you still have to deliver. Not everybody's still able to say, oh, wow, I'm wide open and I'm delivering. There were moments where I think many of us were either in the press box screaming in our heads, of course, but um, but maybe (laughs) screaming at our TVs and saying, get it to five. Look at Drake. He's out there because Drake was finding ways to get open even when the ball wasn't there for him saying to us, hey, I know how to run my route. I know where I'm supposed to be. I know how to spring myself and get open so that my quarterback has at least the opportunity to get the ball to me. That's a very, very mature mindset to have so early on in his career. But when you think about the fact that here we are with a rookie who's wide receiver one. What does that say about the rest of the wide receiver room? We'll talk about that in a moment. But before we tell you what we think about the rest of the wide receiver room, we certainly are going to tell you a little bit about what we think on Coffee AM. Coffeeam.com backslash locked on is the website that you need to go to. Um, now I'm about to tell you why you need to go there because Coffee A came here. Um, that's me. That's Jarvis. I'm Jarvis Davis. I'm Jarvis. That guy. 
you know, they're always talking about the coffee, right? So the first thing that I'm actually kind of geeked up right now because I literally, I literally just had a, a fresh cup of Tanzania pea berry. I can that tell. Sounds very interesting. Yes, because I'm. It's starting to kick in. I'm starting to yes, really feel it. it. <laughs> I was a little concerned at first, T, because I didn't feel it at first. I was like, "What's going on? I got my coffee AM in me. I don't feel it. Right. But now I'm feeling it. I'm getting the jitters. I'm going going crazy right now because I'm trying to tell you guys about why you need to go there because this is the best small batch coffee roaster in the entire country and it's right here in your backyard right here for you guys in the state of georgia if you're not in georgia go to the website they'll send it your way as well and guess what i don't care where you are it's going to be absolutely fresh <laughs> when it gets to your door because they actually they make it when you order it so if you want to go to the website go to the website right now coffeem.com backslash locked on and put in the coupon code box locked on and you're gonna get 15 percent off of all coffee gift sets and teas if you're not into the coffee go ahead messing with the teas if you're not into the teas go and get a gift set for that special someone you might be want to get some attention from somebody you never know it's about that time it's almost cuffing season so hey go ahead and got go ahead and get you right so let me get up out of this read before i get somebody in trouble so all right so 15 percent off dropping the coupon code locked on and you're going to get 15 percent off go ahead and pull up on the best small batch coffee roaster in the entire country Right. And so Jarvis and I have obviously pulled up in our support of Drake London and our belief that he is wide receiver one. But to me, Jarvis, that then begs the question, when you look at the rest of the wide receiver room, who is now the real wide receiver two? Are we looking at Brian Edwards? Are we looking at OZ, Kadero Hodge? I mean, who is that next guy outside of Kyle Pitts? Because we're not talking tight ends here. We're talking yeah. wide receiver room yes. where if Marcus Mariota goes through his progressions and goes through his reads and Drake London's not available. Who's his next reliable, most viable threat? It has to be Cardio Hodge because there was one particular play. Oh my goodness. It's just amazing how people kind of like have to at least listen to the people that, you know, draw, draw up the plays. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, um, when it comes to Arthur Smith and I know sometimes he can come off as a little, you know, a little honorary, but you know, hey, the man knows what he's talking about, right? Okay. So there was one particular play where um, Kyle Pitts was pushing up the seam and Cardell Hodge had came from the slot on the opposite side of the field. And soon as Kyle Pitts pushed up the seam, he drew the linebacker and mm -hmm. that underneath corner that was sitting right there and Cardell Hodge came right up underneath. And guess what? Marcus Mariota hit him right there. It was wide open and then Cardell Hodge did his yak thing because mm -hmm. I think that, you know, when you have a guy who can take advantage of those ops um, yes. when it comes to other people drawing coverage away. But that's mm -hmm. what you look for in a wide receiver too, right? Because yes. um, like I said, we like you mentioned, we understand what Kyle Pitts is. Like he's wide yeah. receiver two, wide receiver one. You know, he's a second option a lot of times in yes. or the first option in, mm -hmm. in particular play calls. But when those when he starts to draw that attention, you got to have guys step up and do that. And I think mm -hmm. Carter Hodge has been that guy consistently yeah. over these first two games. And to know that there's one more guy out there that you can rely on, and I'm going to keep calling it out, the low red zone. If there, yes. if you know you have someone who could deliver in the low red zone, then that to me, like you said, is your wide receiver too. But you also made a great point about the fact that he's wide receiver two in the wide receiver room, but weapon number one to Drake London's two, I still think is Kyle Pitts. Right. So that's the big question on everybody's mind. Now that we have seen what Drake London can do and take advantage of the double teams that KP gets, and now that we, we've seen 
what Kadero Hodge can even do. What does that mean for Kyle Pitts as far as the big thing that people want to know about, which is targets and touchdowns? You know what? I think, to be honest with you, I, I'm, I'm not sitting up here saying that Arthur Smith doesn't want to get Kyle Pitts the football. Right. right? So I started to do a little digging and started mm-hmm. to do a, dig a little deeper, right? Because I'm not a service guy. I like to kind of dive into this bad boy. So mm-hmm. I kind of I went back. I watched the first three quarters. I still got to get to the fourth quarter. Um, kind of waiting for the all 22 so I can get to the fourth quarter and start really doing my research. But mm-hmm. I went through the first three quarters of the game and because I, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to wonder why. I was wondering why Kyle Pitts wasn't getting the football. And I think that a lot of the times when Marcus Mariota in non-play action and rollout situations, the man tends to lock on receivers. Yes. So I think that you have to be able to go through your progressions Mm -hmm. when you're talking about getting certain people to football. A lot of times you got to be able to look people off. And you know you're going to Kyle Pitts, and you know that's going to be your first read. Sometimes you got to look at that potentially your second read so mm-hmm. you, hey you can draw the safety over there so he yes. won't be sitting right there sitting on the hash mark knowing that you're trying to get Kyle Pitts to football in that particular mm-hmm. place you got to have play a little mind games with these, mm-hmm. these particular defenses because they know coming to the game they know you're trying to get eight the ball so yes. what do you have to do in order to do that you have to play around with certain things a little bit Peyton Manning was amazing at that I, lo- mm-hmm. I used to love watching him going up against the Baltimore Ravens back in the day where he and um, Ray Lewis when they were playing games at the line of scrimmage and he was checking to this and Ray Lewis would go start barking at his defense acting like he about to get ready to check to something else so mm-hmm. I think all of those things you have to it's, it's a little bit more than just a play call and saying hey this is your read if this is your read then you get out of there. And I think yes. that's what Mariotis has been doing. And I think mm-hmm. that you can't get the guy that yes. you want to get the football by doing mm-hmm. that, right? You have to yes. be able to say, hey, we know that you're going to be our second or third read on here if the ball, if Drake Lund is not open on that ball. So, so people can say, hey, oh, yeah, they try to get him the football. When mm-hmm. actuality, you know, Drake London wasn't open. And right. I ended up checking down to Kyle Pitts. So yes. all those things have to kind of come in play when you're talking about getting somebody the football that everybody knows you're trying to get the football. So you have to be creative. And I just don't think that Marcus Mariota has been able to do that. And I'm not blaming Marcus Mariota for this at all. However, there is he is culpable in this bad boy because I think that locking in on your receivers and Jalen Ramsey had a had an opportunity to do a, a, a another almost pick six mm-hmm. on that particular on particular play in the, in the first three quarters of that game. So I think right now, I think Marcus Mariota gonna have to work on some of those things going through the progressions in order to be able to get Kyle Pitts to football because him being your sole or read on one particular play is not going to work because teams are already keying in on Kyle Pitts and it just doesn't work like that in the NFL. Now, when we come back, we'll talk about a quarterback that was much more successful in being able to get through his progressions. And because of that, he almost snuck his way into an opportunity to continue that career. We'll talk about it on the other side and for the culture. Final segment of ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitri. We want to say thank you for rocking with us throughout the entire show. We really appreciate you. And guess what? Not only can you find us wherever you download your podcast, and you're leaving those five-star reviews while we're there, mm-hmm. you can also find us on Roku and Amazon Fire. So, yeah, if you don't feel like going to your, your device, your mobile device, or your laptop, and you want to watch us on, on the big screen, go ahead and download those apps, and you can pull us right 
up. We really appreciate you for that in advance. Now, T, this is for the culture. It is an intersection between sports, entertainment, and the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about. Because that's <laughs> how we get down on this show. Today is no different, T. Eli Manning um, decided that he wanted to walk on at Penn State. So there were some cameras following around. And obviously, you can't be too discreet you know, when you have cameras following you around. So I think that what ended up happening in this particular situation was – you know, he was walking on campus and he was dealing with some on, um, assistance. He had some little makeup on, which was really bad, by the way. He actually looked like something that I'm not going to say on this particular show, <laughs> you know, because it, I want to I remain kid friendly right here on Lockdown on ATL Day Ones. But um, I think that when you see how Manning was just interacting with some of the kids that was out there, you know, uh, running the 40s and they was trying to throw in the football, it was, I thought it was just super funny when the kid asked him, like, hey, how can you, how far can you throw the football? And he was like, oh, about 60 yards. <laughs> just, like, it, like, who else better to play a role like this to besides Eli Manning? Yes. Chad Powers, my bad, so to speak. Exactly. Oh, I absolutely love it. The the Mannings have like the most twisted, droll, sarcastic sense of humor. I'm all here for it because that's my kind of humor. So, and you know, he's so unassuming because he's the quiet one of the three brothers, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. N- nothing's quiet in the Manning family, by the way. We all know that from you know watching them grow up in Louisiana. But to see kind of that different side of him, which he used to show kind of here and there, it was like it was just the funniest thing. And like you said, when the the the, the football player asked the question so innocently, <laughs> how far can you throw that ball? Maybe sixty yards. Or just- like it, it seemed like he was like a foot taller than everybody that was out there trying out. I'm just like, bro, like you literally look like a 40 year old man. Like, like you don't look like no doggo 20. I guess, I guess he tried to play uh, play himself off as being a guy who right. has, still has some eligibility right, left a, or whatever. Exactly. But, there yeah, you, you know go. what I'm saying? But he, he looked like a 40 year old man trying out with some guys who right. just trying to get on the squad, you know? Right. But still had a little arm strength. Not mad at him for having a little arm strength. <laughs> but yeah, that that if you watch the Manning cast on Monday Night Football, yeah. or even them on like I'm not really a quiz bowl person, but they have a college quiz bowl show, uh Cooper and Peyton do. They're just funny. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they have just really, really owned and leaned into this act two of life outside of football, but you know, still cl- staying close to the game. And I also find it interesting because everybody thought they knew what Peyton was going to do, right? Peyton right. can coach yep. because you know he's such a student of the game, or or Peyton can own a team, and he's kind of shocked everybody with some of the kooky things that he's he's been able to do and Eli nobody really knew what Eli was going to do and Eli is just kind of like I'm chilling you know I'm just here for the ride until it's time to go to Canton (laughs) and when you think about like those two guys are just they were so talented on the field right yeah and and for them to be able to just have the the, the the I guess the gumption or enough talent off the field to be right. able to pick and choose what they want to do just like because like you said Manny Peyton oh he's going to be a GM or you know he's right. going to be a, yeah, a, an office coordinator blah yes. blah blah like no like and that's what I love about athletes when you know you don't get clearly defined because you've always been mm-hmm. clearly defined as a person yes. like you football player that's who you are and that's mm-hmm. what you are going to be and mm-hmm. a lot of times we know in life 
that can't be true. Like you right. know, yeah, football player is a football player is what I do. I play yes. football, but it's not who I am. And I think that being able for those guys to show themselves outside of football and who they mm -hmm. are, you know, as real people, yeah, I think that it's really cool to see. And by the way, you you speaking of college bowl, you know who was on there, right? <clears throat> like like recently. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, we we were up in that thing, you know what I'm saying? We was up in there. We know it was all first. Oh gosh. It's like just saying. Can I just have my moment, please? Like No. Just no. <laughs> Why would I do that? Go ahead and say you sorority while you had it too. Like just go ahead and go oh, with, with all there addiction. Were on the team too. Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated was indeed represented quite fine. He said it, guys. I wasn't even gonna go with Delta today. I was just gonna rub in Xavier today. But since he's he talking there, about I can't even have my moment. Like I'm trying yeah. to have a moment here. You know what I'm saying? Like here I come. You know, talking like, about some crimson and cream and yeah, talking about the number stuff. one school for producing African-American physicians and pharmacists for the last quarter century. There I go, Jarvis. See, oh, yeah, it just, man. man, darn it me. Darn I live it. with people like you. I live with a Howard alum who always talking about their doggone school. The one time that I want to talk about my school, <clears throat> this is coming from the guy that has his jersey hanging up in the background of his show every day. Wait. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they know who you are. <laughs> I'm trying to give, give show some love to my to the academic the academic part of yes. you know I can't even say it right you know what I'm saying that's how you know I'm not used to saying it I'm trying to get some love to the academic people who are out there doing their thing and trying to you know put all yeah. the state on the map from an I academic like standpoint you yeah know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah and I yeah, like I the fact, but but I will say this with all seriousness I really like the fact that they were on the Quiz Bowl show because Albany State may not be one of the more known and I'm not talking about the success rate from an academic perspective. I'm talking about just known with, you know, the big names, if you will, in HBC course, yeah. lore. Yeah. The fact that they're picking those schools to come out. I, I like I love the fact that the spotlight is not just on, you know, the top fives, if you will, or the top right. tens, because there are a hundred of us out here. And it's right. great to see that the, the quiz bowl show is pulling from different areas and saying, hey, you know, we want to check that school out and with the the way the bowl works is it doesn't just you know bring the students on to do the quiz bowl it does shine a spotlight on the show there's a a little you know feature story on each school that is right. on the show so that's what i like about it as well it's a nice spotlight uh for the rams and you know what and that's kind of like been the arguments amongst hbcus pulling back the curtain here you know we talked about how like you know how it always getting the love where you hear about somebody some actress or some person, you know, donating thousands of dollars to uh, Morehouse or yes. you know Howard. You know, you always hear those things. You're like, man, well, what about our school? You know, that's yeah. always been the argument, right? But stuff like this at College Bowl, you know, and and highlighting those schools, not only just having them on, but like you mentioned, but being able to do spotlights on them and tell yes. people about those schools, so people can they can get that national te um, televised exposure. And that's what yes. you know, it's going to take in order for these schools to grow. Mm -hmm. And then once they start growing and people start knowing about them, they will start attending these schools. And then yes. you're talking about the alumni base growing bigger. And mm -hmm. then I won't have to be the only one champion in Albany State on these right. type of platforms. So, yeah, yeah, I need some help. Like, come yes. on, y'all. So, yeah, go ahead and check us out. We, you know, we got some good stuff going on down there. But, Indeed. T, we tell the folks about what we got going on tomorrow, though, because I think we got some good, some good cooking up in the kitchen. Sure. Yeah, because if you think about it, 
it's so interesting with the Mets and the Braves. They are literally neck and neck. Of course, the Mets were able to last night go ahead and clinch a playoff spot, if you will. And the Braves with a win tonight and a Padres loss can do the same. And I really want to see them do it because what? We want them to stay neck and neck to the Mets so that it really will come down to that last series in the yes, week. So we'll talk about that. Hopefully we'll get a good outing from Charlie Morton as he faces off against Patrick Corbin. And of course, we got some more Falcons talk for you. Continuing our talk about progress with the Falcons, we'll talk about that. And we're going to peek, take a little sneak peek into what's going on in college football locally. So come back tomorrow and join us. But after you finish watching ATL Day Once today, don't forget to check out A to Z with Mark Zeno. It's a beautiful day outside, so hope you get to enjoy it. Y'all come back now, you hear?